1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Wednesday, January 17th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Right now, for the remainder of the month of January, there's a pretty sweet listener reward available to you. Download the KDOS 1060 app. Apple and Android users register. That's the key component. Have to register so we know who you are in order to select a winner. Uh, The winner will receive sixth row Hoops tickets, downtown Phoenix, food and drink included. So get yourself registered today by downloading the KDOS 1060 app. Uh, Let's reset the scene here quickly with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The Chiefs, they're facing the Bills yet again in the playoffs, but they are off to... Buffalo this time around. Previously, the contests have always been at Arrowhead, and Bob caught up with Matt Derrick, ChiefsDigest.com, for all things Kansas City Chiefs conversation. If you missed that podcast, KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. But the question for today, do you believe the Chiefs flipped the postseason switch, starting with the win over the Dolphins, and the masses are on the no side of things now at 57% of the vote? Yes, trailing at 43%. That'll be a question that we answer around 1230 today. So still time for you to get involved Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060 are the Steelers and Mike Tomlin doing the right thing by continuing for at least one more season. Resounding yes, 90% of the vote, no trailing at 10%. Another question that we will answer today around 1230. Continuing with our NFL conversation from the weekend and taking a deep dive into the teams that were eliminated on Super Wild Card Weekend. The Rams, they suffered a 24-23 loss to the Lions. Update first and foremost on Tyler Higby. In that game, uh, he was hit low by Kirby Joseph, and uh, uh, results, test results have come back. Tyler Higby has torn his ACL from that hit, uh, so that'll be an, a rehab process for him getting back for the Rams. Uh, the Rams, though, they found themselves potentially a star here in Puka Nakua, 105 catches, 1,486 yards, six touchdowns. Kyrene Williams, he was on IR and still hit over 1,000 yards rushing here. Question, though, what do we make of Cooper Cup? Have injuries riddled him? Well, and you mentioned Williams. Uh, he had hand surgery this week. He left that game on Saturday with multiple, or excuse me, Sunday night, right? Sunday night. Uh, multiple times because of injuries, and he has now had hand surgery since then. So that was uh, the last injury that he had in that game. He left with a leg injury earlier, came back, and and so forth. As far as Cup goes, I think it's actually this game came down to the red zone. And first up, that was a great game on Saturday. Whether it was a 
January playoff game or whether the game was in September. That was a tremendous game. There were eight possessions the whole game combined by both teams. Eight possessions. Uh, the uh, the difference, uh, the Lions had three red zone possessions and scored three touchdowns. The Rams had three red zone possessions and had three field goals. And uh, part of that is because they couldn't get the ball to cup. Uh, so they tried, but they were unsuccessful doing so. They actually got it to him a couple times, but it was short of the goal line and led to field goals. Sean McVay, uh, he's been in the playoffs in five of his seven years as the head coach. Uh, but on Saturday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, uh, timeout management, I think the, they had pro- problems with that, obviously. And that was stemming from the fact that they really had problems getting plays in quickly up against the play clock. And, you know, that's something that's been a real staple of his offense. And you know, they played plenty of road games in loud environments before. Seemed to be much more of a problem on Sunday. Another thing that was a problem on Sunday is that uh, we talked about this on Friday. Uh, Jordan Fuller, their you know, best safety and you know, one of the smartest guys in the NFL. Very smart guy. Uh, and he gets their defense kind of situated in the secondary. He was inactive. We, ass- we assumed he wasn't going to play. He didn't. Uh, and they had some blown coverages and uh, had bad tackling in the secondary. I think looking ahead for the Rams, obviously Matthew Stafford had a tremendous season, had a very good game with the exception of the red zone on Sunday. Uh, how much longer can he be effective? He's in his mid-30s. Uh, you mentioned Nakua. Uh, we watched plenty of the Rams during the season, but you know he's even better than I thought. I mean, I mean, he made some plays. Obviously, he set a rookie record for passing yards in a game, a receiving record uh, for passing yards, uh, receiving yards in a game, in a playoff game. Uh, he's really good. So, you know, that, uh, you know see if Cup come back, comes back healthy. You remember he was hurt to start the season, started the season on IR. And much like Travis Kelsey, which we talked about in the first hour during the sports zone today, I wonder if Cup was ever really healthy the entire season. Remember, he injured. He got he was injured at the last at the end of last season too, when the the Cardinals, the cheap shot that he took from the Cardinals, and missed the rest of the regular season, the last seven or eight games last year. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, he's still out there slinging it. Uh, Sean McVay was meeting the media, I think it was this morning, uh, was asked if Matthew Stafford is set to come back and be his quarterback, and he uh, said unequivocally yes. So that's at least how that is unfolding here in the very early stages of the offseason for the Rams. Speaking of the offseason of the Rams, guess what? They have a first-round pick that's right. They're going to have a first-round pick for the first time since 2016. In all, it'll be six picks and potentially four more with compensatory picks coming their way. Well, remember, they actually had an excellent draft last year when they had more picks than they've had for many, many, many years. I mean, they had like 15 rookies on the season to start the roster to start the season. On, excuse me, 15 rookies on the roster to start the season. He said better the second time. Uh, so yeah, they and they got a lot out of those rookies. And those guys, for the most part, got better during the season. A couple on the offensive line, several on defense. And I would assume that will continue. I have no idea what their cap situation is. It's been not good for several years running. I don't know if it's any different now. I assume with all the rookies that were on their regular roster this season, the cap situation should be better moving forward. They could use some veteran defensive backs. 
in the Rams defense here, 41 sacks on the season. Eight teams had fewer sacks than they did on the year. Uh, and then obviously their defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, he's uh, being interviewed for a lot of vacant head coaching positions right now. Yeah, well, some of those rookies I mentioned that were part of the front seven, and a couple of those guys were amongst the sack leaders in the NFL as far as rookies go. So that all makes sense. Uh, like I said, I think the biggest thing personnel-wise, at least for next year, is the fact that they definitely need to get some experience in the secondary, which seemed to be their clear weakness. Even when they were winning games at the end of the season on a you know, what was a seven out of eight or whatever they won at the end of the year, uh, their secondary, when they did have problems in some of those games, it was largely because of that group. The Steelers, they lost 31-17 to to the Bills. Uh, they need to find an answer when T.J. Watt misses games. They're now 1-11 in games when he doesn't play. Uh, they also need to find an answer at quarterback, too, and maybe some offensive ingenuity. Uh, in his career, Kevin Kenny Pickett has thrown 13 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. Mason Rudolph stepped in and finished the rest of the regular season and competed in the playoffs. Uh, he got the ball downfield. He is an unrestricted free agent, though, this offseason. Mike Tomlin is set to return for 2024. Cam Hayward said, quote, this group would not function to even get to a playoff berth without Mike T. He keeps us accountable from top to bottom, and I don't want to play for any other coach. Cam Hayward, though, he has another year left on his deal in his 13th season in the NFL. Well, I think that Hayward's uh, grooming himself to be in the media. Uh, I mean, he has a weekly hit and has the entire season on NFL Network on Good Morning Football. And it's not just a weekly hit. He is really good. And they talk about more than just football. Um, so he's a really smart dude. Um, he was an exceptional player, and it has been. and was he doesn't play every snap or anything close to it now. Because he's not, you mentioned he's what, 13 years now. Seems like 100 years ago when he played at Ohio State. Uh, he probably seems 100 years ago for him, too, when he played at Ohio State. But he's always been a smart player. But he's got a future uh, in broadcasting for sure whenever he wants to do that. And I would imagine that he doesn't have too many years remaining. And uh, I'll save some of my uh, Steelers comments from when we answered the Mike Tomlin poll question at the bottom of the hour. That's fair. Moving along into the uh, state of Pennsylvania, down to Philadelphia, the Eagles lost 32 to nine to the Bucks. Nick Sirianni set to meet with Jeffrey Lurie today. Is it just media conjecture here, or real cause for concern with his job? Oh, there's cause for concern. I think just considering, just look at the history. Uh, you know, you know, you know, Jeffrey Lurie and. Uh, and you know, Howie Rosen, uh, however that worked, they I don't know if they conspired to do this, but remember they fired Doug Peterson within three years after he won a Super Bowl, and uh, that was also after Peterson lost some of his key assistant coaches, and clearly that happened in Philadelphia. There's no doubt that they missed both the coordinators, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. They also had a lot of key injuries, especially on defense, uh, to key players, so that played a role. But yeah, you know, they went. You know, they basically lost six of their last seven games after they started ten and one. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and again last Friday, that I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to find out at some point, uh, whether it's uh, this off season or in somebody's tell-all book or whatever, 
that there was more going on behind the scenes with the Eagles other than just inept play from a lot of players that seemed to take a couple of steps back that helped them get to the Super Bowl. It's just a year ago at this time where I and I think many others uh, were saying that this is the best roster in the NFL. And uh, you know they're you know they were up ten in the se- they were up ten in the second half in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and then this this is what we see. This is how the season ends this year. And obviously, you know AJ Brown not playing on uh, Saturday didn't help. But you know their defense was horrible. I mean they gave up a billion yards and uh, yards after the catch, more than a hundred yards after the catch, just a after the catch, more than a hundred yards in receiving. To the uh, to the Buccaneers, and it wasn't like Mike Evan, Mike Evans and you know and Godwin were the ones doing all the damage. It was you know guys that uh, are you know, obscure unless you watch a lot of college football. They are obscure, uh, so we'll see what happens with that in the future. But uh, the, uh, to me, the Eagles are far more of a mess than the Cowboys are at this point. Uh, then you have the reports, Jason Kelsey retiring, uh, but then he was on his podcast this morning and saying he hasn't officially made a decision here that it's uh, too soon after the season to really make that kind of decision. So uh, we're still on Jason Kelsey watch here. You then also just look at uh, Jalen Hurts and not being with Shane Steichen this season. It was 65.4% completion percentage for him, 3,858 yards, twenty. 20- three touchdowns 15 interceptions though that's the big uh difference from one year ago also he carried the ball less 157 carries 605 yards 15 touchdowns and six fumbles okay let's start with well let's do hurts last here um another guy that i think it's safe to say that he was you know clearly hampered by injuries we saw the knee early in the season but i think there was even more you know, the final game, he refused to wear the glove and had the hand injury that he suffered in the next, uh, the last regular season game against the Giants. I'm guessing at some point in this offseason, we're going to find out exactly how damaged he was physically, probably pretty early in the season. So there's that part. As far as the Kelsey thing goes, somebody's, you know, basically you know, his some of his teammates told the Philadelphia media that that, that Kelsey told them that he was retiring. Uh, and then Kelsey did not meet the media immediately after that game when they got eliminated over on a Monday night. But something going on there, and there's also speculation that he's going to wait and see what happens with the Chiefs and that the Kelseys may actually retire together. Uh, you know, then the other thing here defensively, the secondary was very depleted. Um and they stopped effectively getting after the quarterback, too, with their defensive yeah. front that we had marveled so much at in 2022. And with good reason. I mean, they were tremendous. I mean, you know, they had 60 sacks. Uh, I still remember the number. They had 60 sacks from just down defensive linemen. And that was pretty much, other than Hargrave, that was pretty much the same dudes uh, that were back this year. They cut Barnett because they thought he was insubordinate. They let him go. And by the way, Barnett has really helped the uh, Tennessee Titans, or excuse me, the, uh, the Houston Texans. I'll be okay. The Houston Texans, to, uh, he had a really good game, in fact, on, on, over the weekend in the, in the super wild card round uh, against the Browns. Uh, so the, I know he was insubordinate, so maybe they just felt like they had to get him out of the building. But once again, there's stuff going on here that I don't think we know about yet, may never know, but uh, I think we'll have a more clear picture 
at some point this offseason or at some point down the road is what was really going on in Philadelphia this year. Wasn't just all you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, Hurts, uh, the defensive backs can't make a tackle. It was There was more going on than that, and I would assume at some point we'll hear more about that. 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll get to your calls now and talk to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060, have a potpourri of things to get into as well on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point on this Wednesday, January 17th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to chime in. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. Twelve twenty-four here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. That's right, the KDOS 1060 app. Take us with you and get yourself eligible for sixth row hoops tickets downtown Phoenix, food and drink included. Uh, all you have to do is download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and listen along for your chance to win those tickets, the contest ending end of January. A potpourri of things that we'll get into here momentarily, but uh, first, want to briefly set up the PGA Tour. They're at the American Express this week, which is played in Palm Springs. Remember this event, three courses. The stadium course, which is par 72, 7,187 yards. Last year, 69.26 scoring average. La Quinta Country Club, par 72, 7,060 yards. Last year's scoring average, 69.584. And then Nicholas Tournament Course, par 72, 7,147 yards, 68.724 last year's scoring average. Each golfer plays all three courses, a cut after 54 holes, and then the stadium course is once again the final round course. Uh, get prepared for lengthy rounds of golf because it's uh, two professionals paired with two amateurs. So it's a long three days of golf before you get to the final round. Um, all three courses, they feature Poana greens. I will say this, if you're looking up data points and metric points, keep in mind that the data points only come from the stadium course. They don't have shot link on the other two courses. So everything is just being derived from the stadium course. Uh, this event has seen some real long shots win. In addition to, you have to be scoring the ball really well to win. John Rahm won last year at minus 27 under par. Hudson Swafford the year before at minus 23. Siwoo Kim the year before that at minus 23. Some of the big names that are in the field this week. Patrick Cantlay, in 2021, he finished uh, second, 2022 ninth, and 2023 tied for 26th. He's plus 900 odds to win. Tony Finau, 35 to 1, 
In 2023, he finished tied for 16th. 2022, tied for 40th. If you remember, he kind of got off to a really slow start in 2022. 2021, 4th. And 2020, a tie for 14th. Scotty Scheffler, he's in the field. He, of course, is uh, the best odds to win at plus 550. In 2023, he finished in a tie for 11th. Xander Shoffley at 11-1. to Last year, he finished tied for 3rd. I'm actually going to go Minwoo Lee here for a top 20 at plus 130. He finished tied for 15th at the DP World Tour Championships, first at the Australian PGA, and third at the ISPS Honda Classic. Um, he's playing really good golf. We've seen him in flashes when he had his opportunities on the PGA Tour last year, uh, looking for him to really hit the ground running this year, and he makes birdies and bunches at times. So Minwoo Lee for a top 20, and then my long shot for a top 20 is Steven Yeager at plus 250. So we'll monitor the PGA Tour this week from Palm Springs. Moving into some potpourri items here, the NCAA, I don't know if you saw this, Bob, sanctioned an experiment that allowed teams to test coach-to-player helmet communications as well as tablets during some of the bowl games this year. 14 bowl games featured at least one of these technologies – Opt-in was required and an agreed-upon use of it by opponents as well. Specifically, we know Texas Tech put in this technology, the communication technology, and eight helmets, the quarterback, the backup quarterback, two linebackers, a safety, and their backups, and Joey McGuire, the head coach for Texas Tech, really wants to see this get passed. Yeah, I can understand that if I'm a coach. My question is, can every you know, all the major conference teams in college football afford to do this. You've got lots of universities that are struggling financially right now. Obviously, the University of Arizona. Uh, I think that was uh, you know, one of the reasons that Jed Fish is no longer their football coach. They offered him a contract, and I don't think he expected at the time that he turned down the contract from the U of A that the University of Washington job was going to open up. Uh, but, uh, I just wonder, you know, is it a level playing field as far as who can afford this and who can't? Unless people are going to, the manufacturers of the uh, equipment are going to, like, donate it. And I doubt if that's going to happen. Yeah, so the NCAA Rules Committee meets in late February. And a couple of reasons that have been cited for why this hasn't already come to fruition is you also have to keep in mind that the NCAA governs you know division one division two and division three so if division one programs are struggling with costs could you imagine what division three is struggling with so would they be uh willing to make differentials for division one versus division three etc uh then on top of that they said it just really didn't become a priority after they themselves the ncaa was trying to figure out how to get through the pandemic years and uh now kind of back into a quote-unquote normalcy yeah the other thing is that we played football for many years without any of this stuff and uh you know, maybe uh, coaches had to be smarter or players had to be you know, smarter or better prepared uh it was a combination of coaches and players doing that so it was uh you know is this necessary um it's you know the nfl i can understand why they can do this because they obviously have the finances to not have any issue affording this but it seems to be kind of a conflict of interest of where many colleges in this and universities in this country stand and whether this should be a top priority for them to allocate their cash. 
You had mentioned the U of A, so let's go there next. U of A's head coach, Jed Fish, he took the Washington job over the weekend. The Wildcats have since hired Brent Brennan to a five-year deal. Brennan was a finalist before with U of A, uh, but that year they hired Jed Fish. In all, Brennan has been with San Jose State, a 26-19 and record there. Brennan was also a grad assistant at U of A in the last season under Dick Tomey in 2000. Yeah, this is going to be a whole different world for everybody in Tucson or here or anybody that's a fan or a media member following the U of A. I think it's safe to say that uh, Jed Fish is surly uh, more than occasionally with the media, even when things are going well. Uh, He's had some confrontations during press conferences this year, even after they won games. Uh, And... uh, You've going, you're going to uh, – Brennan is like uh, the glass is more than half full. I mean, he's got like two glasses that are more than half full. I watched him quite a bit in uh, his San Jose State days the last couple of years. And uh, some of those years, uh, some of those, you know, at least parts of those seasons, including the start of this year when they played a killer schedule, didn't go great. But he always seemed to have a positive outlook, and uh, you know, you know, I don't think that he was faking it. Maybe I'm wrong, because I'm sitting in my living room watching on television. Uh, but it seemed like uh, this is a completely different uh, attitude change as far as a head coach towards uh, at least the public perception of the head coach from Fish to to Brennan. Well, let's start here first. Uh, there seemed to be a massive sentiment of frustration and anger uh, and almost betrayal for Jed Fish leaving for UW. Uh, you know, with what he was able to do in his couple of years down in Tucson, uh, do you think that that sort of overall sentiment is uh, warranted? It's stupid. Uh, what's he not? Is he not supposed to take the job? I mean, it's a far better job. I mean, U of A fans need to grow up at some point. Uh, they're never going to do it because, you know, I've, you know, grew, you know I moved to, my parents moved to Tucson, and I went with them because I was 12 years old. Uh, in 1969, uh, they've never quite understood. They Even basketball-wise, they never seem to have a really, uh, you know, fair look at the big picture of things. Uh, so, you know, he's not going to take the University of Washington job. They're going to the Big Ten, for God's sakes. Uh, the, the, you know, the U of A is going to the Big 12. We really don't know about the Big 12 too much at this point. Uh, he also got paid a whole boatload of money to go to Washington, which the U of A wouldn't pay him. Uh, so this is just stupid that people are criticizing him for taking the job and leaving. Now, from a Washington side of things, are you surprised that they hired Jed Fish? <clears throat> Yeah, a little bit, but not totally because I just don't know who the other candidates were. There are other candidates. I never even saw any other candidates. Listed. I never did either. So, yeah. So I don't think there were that many, quite frankly. Uh, so it's a you know he's inheriting a roster that's not even close to what we watched a couple of Monday nights ago. I mean, they've had lots of guys leave for the NFL. Uh, you know, lots of guys. You know, they had a lot of seniors on that team to start with. And then they had underclassmen, some expected to leave, in fact, several expected to leave, some unexpected to leave. And so it's been, uh, I would, I think it may be mass exodus as far as the roster goes is accurate. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. You know, there was a lot of speculation in Tucson 
that you know Fafita and Williams, the pitch and catch combo uh, that uh, had a lot of success for this year at the U of A with uh, with Fish, uh, who played together in high school. Those two guys, by the way, also in Southern California, that they were going to follow him uh, to uh, to Washington, but uh, that was quickly quickly you know you know completely eliminated yesterday by I forgot which one it was. One of them. You know, on some social media thing, uh, Fafita or, or uh, McMillan said, that's not happening, we're staying here. The last thing on my list of potpourri items, uh, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> interviewed with the Falcons yesterday after he talked to the Chargers the day before. So he's uh, making the rounds now in the NFL interviewing process. Well, I don't know if this is, you know, who knows with Harbaugh. He's an interesting and uh, complex human being. I think that's a good way to put it, complex human being. And, you know, he's certainly uh, you know, talked with the NFL at least the last couple of years that we know of, uh, we seem to think. And everybody in the NFL, and I'm not exaggerating here, it seems like everybody in the NFL seems to think that he's going to be coaching in the NFL. Uh, however, you know, there's also reports out there that the University of Michigan would like to keep him. And if those are accurate, it wouldn't be the first time that a college coach uh, manipulated the system to get a better deal to stay where he's at, or NFL coach for that matter. Uh, but in this case, uh, there's you know, still speculation out there. He wants immunity, though, from the NCAA, another report that was out there yesterday for all the rules that he apparently is, you know, broken and all of the NCAA violations that have occurred in the last few years in Michigan, going all the way back to the COVID time. I think there might be some breaking news here. And, uh, uh -oh. yeah. Okay. We have Pascal Siakam is being traded to the oh, Indiana yeah. Pacers. For a whole boatload of draft picks, I guess, and maybe a couple of young players. Yeah, this has been going on for a while. Also, it seems like you know, we're a month. The, the trade deadline's February 8th in the NF, NBA this year, which is a little earlier than usual. Uh, but it also seems like it's you know, still you know, a few weeks away. Seems like there's a whole lot of more, a whole lot of more trade speculation out there right now than there usually is at this point before the trade deadline actually happens. Seems like there's a lot more speculation and a lot more talks. And this Siakam thing has been going on for a few days. It officially is happening here, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Pacers are sending two 2024 first-rounders in a 2026. We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. As we were going to break, we were discussing the breaking news in the NBA with Pascal Siakam uh, being traded to the Indiana Pacers. Going back to uh, Toronto is going to be uh, Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and three first-round picks. In addition, New Orleans has been in there in a third team to make this deal work. Mm. Kira Lewis is going to the Raptors as well. 
Yeah, this is, as I mentioned before the break there, that uh, it seems like there's uh, the the escalation of a making a deal before the deadline is tighter than it has been in past years. Seems like DeJounte Murray is going to be the next guy to get traded. Uh, Chris Haynes, uh, who works for several media outlets, including does some work for TNT and the sidelines when he was doing the Suns game last week, uh, he reported at that time that the Suns were not interested in a point guard. Let's get into the poll questions for the day and the KDOS1060.com poll question is where we start. Do you believe the Chiefs flipped the postseason switch starting with the win over the Dolphins? Yes or no, Bob? Uh, No, uh, would be my answer to that. Uh, I would say even the most diehard Chiefs fans, I think, have to be – they should, at least if they're objective diehard Chiefs fans – uh, that they have to remain somewhat skeptical. And uh, really, I don't think anything emerged uh, that's changed for me with the win over the Dolphins. Uh, you can also you can all make your, you know, the Dolphins were a fish out of water and cold temperatures, so you make your own jokes on that. My opinion, though, of the Chiefs really didn't change last week. Uh, the defense uh, is still, obviously, is better than the offense. With uh, They've got the youthful talent, They've got speed on defense. Uh, the offense certainly lacked efficiency and uh, from the offensive line, not just the tackles. Those middle three guys didn't play as well this year as they have in the past. Needless to the receivers, we all know that they lead the world in drops. And Travis Kelsey has dropped plenty of passes. Uh, before Saturday night, you can blame the cold weather for everything that went wrong for everybody on that field on Saturday night. But he's dropped lots of passes this season in comparison to the past. Mahomes clearly hasn't been as accurate. Uh, whether you know I think that's you know, something to do with the offensive line to some extent, uh, but you know he's he's not, not he's he's missed plenty of open receivers and throw it together. I think that Andy Reid, you know, he's sometimes he has some crazy play calls, and uh, I don't think that those things have been as successful this year because of all those things. Uh, as of right now, all that being said, uh, I'm not. I'm hesitant at the moment on a Wednesday uh, to go against the Chiefs this week because the Bills just seem to be running out of defensive players, especially linebackers. They could be down to their fifth and sixth inside linebackers on Sunday. So check back on Friday during the Friday spread. Here's how. How's this for you know a little tease, Kayla? Uh, for a well, I'll have an updated Chiefs and Bills prediction on Friday. Love it. Uh, Yeah, so for me, looking at this here, uh, Patrick Mahomes, we know that he does amazing things. He elevates his play. We kind of have come to expect that from him. Uh, In that particular environment, though, last weekend, uh, against the Dolphins team, they we know that they've struggled against physical teams. We know that they've struggled in cold weather situations and that sort of environment. So it wasn't really overly shocking to see that particular result play out uh you know for the Chiefs side of things they did settle for a lot of field goals when they did get the ball into the uh red zone area and so being able to capitalize on that and punch those in for uh six I think is going to be important as they continue to move forward especially against a Bills team you point out the good point about Bills and the injuries that they sustained one the injuries that they've had all season two the specific 
specific injuries uh, from that game against the Steelers and how that could impact things in this upcoming game. Uh, I think it kind of comes down to, you know, who is going to be able to limit mistakes because both of those teams moving forward in the Bills and the Chiefs are teams that seem to make crucial mistakes now uh, at crucial times and so it's going to be who can kind of eliminate those things to really have a chance to move forward but all of a sudden just seeing a victory over the Dolphins I don't suddenly think that some of the issues that we've seen all season long have been completely uh, cleared up and they're they're fine if you will I'll just yeah I'll just add one more thing to what you said you mentioned mistakes it's not it's not just turnovers both those you know especially the chiefs have committed a lot of penalties this year yes the masses though they have worked their way into a 50 50 tie between yes Ooh, and that's no good. yeah so so we have both sides ahead at one time and then uh, as we uh look at it at least on the air for the last time it's uh you know a tie so that that's a good thing yes I so feel you smart. can Pat yourself on the back for that one. I've been doing a lot of that, even though you know my arm hurts anyway. So you know, you, you, as you would say, the cold weather it's probably hurts even more, right? This is <laughs> yes. this is cold weather. It's at least getting a little warmer. It was nicer yesterday, and hopefully, it's okay. still nicer it was. today. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go for a walk as soon as we're done here at the top of the hour. Lucky you, KDOS1060.com. That well, is. Well, you could you could do that. Take your sandwich and go walk around the block or something. Yeah, I don't have a sandwich today, so I have a spoon. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes it a little harder to eat the well, lunch. Well, that would be yeah, that would be difficult. Yeah, you know, walking, you know, walk with a spoon and. Uh, and digest food, and uh, that would be a difficult thing for the mo- even the most athletic person, and you're very athletic to start with. So that would be that would be difficult. On X at KDUS AM 1060 are the Steelers and Mike Tomlin doing the right thing by continuing for at least one more season. I think so. Uh, everyone seems to really love playing for him. Um, you know how much I'm curious about this. How much does he have involvement in drafts? Uh, you know, yeah. was it was it him that, uh, you know, drafted Kenny Pickett? Was it him that has kind of developed this offensive line to where they are now? Um, now, I do have a question about what were they seeing in Mason Rudolph in practices and camp that he was the third string quarterback uh behind Mitchell Trubisky so that maybe was a bit of a question mark just because Mason's performance was better than Trubisky's performance but I think we're really like nitpicking at this point uh because he really does keep the the ship steady going finds ways to grind out victories and they just play that style of ball that I think you know fits for one the cold weather for when the season turns to November plus that that division being the AFC North. But I think for sure they are going to need new offensive innovation and a new quarterback. And uh, I don't necessarily think that that has anything to do with Tomlin. The only thing I really disagree with a little bit there, I don't think they're as uh, cold weather suited as they have been in past years. And they won a playoff game forever. Uh, and they also have lost some cold weather games in recent years because they just don't have the offensive line that they used to have. But I think the bottom line is this: the Steelers staying with Tomlin is the right thing to do. He's still a good NFL head coach. I totally agree. It seems to be somewhat of a mystery 
the personnel decisions, who's making them. They've gone through you know, some personnel people uh, in the recent years. They've obviously gone through coordinators. But I think the one thing that's obvious to me is that none of the three quarterbacks that started this year should be the starter next season. Yeah, maybe Justin Fields going there wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, the offensive line this season went from you know, subpar – uh, to uh, you know, maybe borderline above average, but nothing better than that. Uh, the defense, they have playmakers, difference makers, quite frankly. Uh, T.J. Watt and, and, and Minka Fitzpatrick went healthy, and they've got some young players who are possibly headed to be difference makers consistently. You know, Porter Jr. at corner and Highsmith and the, uh, on the outside linebacker position. Uh, but the rest of the defense is pretty mediocre, uh, as it turned out. So the Steelers, uh, no matter whom the head coach, they need to make better per, uh, player personnel decisions between now and training camp. Uh, plus, they need to develop an offense with one voice. And uh, you know, maybe they just need to kind of start over as far as that goes. You know, you know, I think they definitely need to start over for as far as that goes. But... You know, the multiple offensive coordinators after they fired Matt Canada, you know, they ran the ball better, but, you know, and, you know I'm not, I never bought, you know, the, the Mason Rudolph garbage at the end of the year. They played really bad defenses at the end of the year, and he had like one good quarter of the game against Buffalo, albeit in not the best conditions, but we'll see. But uh, you know, Tomlin's a really good head coach. I would, uh, I need that they, I need to see them make a, uh, better personnel decisions, whoever's in charge of that, which is, I think, to me, I have no idea who's in charge of that, quite frankly. The masses are on the yes side of things at 90% of the vote, no sitting at 10%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060, the mysterious player personnel department for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, they've been so, you know, they've had the same, they've had three coaches for literally since the 60s and, you know, uh, I think it's been a really uh, kind of a secretive process for many years. Now, there was a reason for many years that nobody really cared whether it was a secretive process because they had tremendous personnel and really good teams consistently. But that's been less than consistent and with, you know, fewer good teams in recent years. We'll wrap it up on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point Wednesday, January 17th edition. One final segment to go next. Now time in your afternoon for the Doug Gottlieb Show right here on KDUS AM 1060, 100.7 HD2, and KDUS1060.com. Weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. Wednesday, January 17th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. But, Bob, it's thank you time. 
As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Chiefs and Bills preview with our longtime guest, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. On uh, Thursday at 10.15, we'll preview the uh, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, Saturday Texans and Ravens game. We'll get the uh, Houston perspective on that. Also, sound day courtesy of Peacock, CBS, CBS Sports, uh, 3TV, ESPN, and Pac-12 Networks. As always, special thanks to uh, Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. And then Top of the Valley with Coach A, hosted by Jeff Munn. That'll air tonight starting at 7 o'clock. A couple of things that have caught my attention here. We discussed it uh, in hour number one with Peacock averaging 23 million viewers for the streaming-only game. The Rams and the Lions did 35.8 million across NBC and Peacock. So NBC had an incredible weekend of NFL games for them, at least viewership-wise. Also of note, the NFL is approaching a deal with ESPN where ESPN would have an equity stake in the NFL. Under this agreement, ESPN would take control of NFL media with NFL Films, NFL Network, Red Zone, NFL.com, and NFL Plus all following falling under that purview. Yeah, and getting back to Peacock, uh, I'll be watching NBC tonight with the return of Chicago PD for the first time since the first week of May. And uh, fortunately, they played the replay. Uh, they replayed the final episode from last year, last Wednesday, because I had forgotten a couple of things that happened in the last 15 minutes of last season. Yeah, so we've discussed this before where I watch all the Law & Orders, and I've completely forgotten what happened last. Tomorrow night. But I have a problem. DirecTV yeah. and NBC are in a fight. So Ooh, how I watch sorry. them is like, you know, DVRing and then watching it at my convenience. So now I either have to watch it on the antenna live or find some sort of streaming option, I guess, to to watch it later. Okay, well, good luck to you. And uh, I don't have that problem, at least for tonight. So uh, and I already know that the guy that's laying dead on the floor at the end of last year is uh, part of the show this year because their promo for this week has him alive. So that was kind of a killer, and no pun intended. <laughs> we'll end it there. Have a good one, everyone.